Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Good Friday, Friday, April 15th. Normally, this would be tax day, but uh, guess what? You get a couple extra days till Monday, April 18th to take care of that. Uh, hey, sorry, I haven't been here last couple of days. Radio station had some issues uh, with their phone system, so had uh, two days of technical difficulties, so off the air for me, uh, but on the air for Dave. So, But hey, we're back in the saddle today. And hopefully we will connect with Dave here in just a few moments. Before we do that, though, let's remember that uh, there's a lot of things that are out of our control. But the one thing that we know that is in our control is how much risk you have in your current portfolio. And if you don't know what that is and you don't know how much risk you can really tolerate on a scale of one to 100, that can be a problem as you head into retirement. Give us a call at 863-382-0037. To schedule your core retirement design. Again, that's 863-382-0037 for your core retirement design. And with that, we've got Dave coming up next. 105.7 Highlands Light FM. We're at 840 now. It is 20 before 9. It's 72 degrees. It's gorgeous. And the markets are closed today. But we got things to talk about because after... Two days of hinky phones. Philip Statler is back, and we're going to talk about what's going on with you and your money this morning. Philip, good morning. It is so nice to hear your voice this morning. Hey, it is uh, glad to finally get some of those uh, niches out so we could get back together. It seems like it's been forever. It's only two days. Yeah, we hit the perfect time to have the phone go hinky on me because we started earnings season the other day, and uh, it was kind of an interesting start to earnings season to set the table this morning, just so everybody's aware, because it doesn't really get a lot of coverage. Stock markets are closed for today, but they're still going to trade bonds until 2 p.m., and that's kind of a weirdness for the day because you can't trade an equity, but you can go out and you can screw around with federal bonds and the other bond markets that are out around the world today. So this could be kind of a strange day and set the table for an interesting one on Monday, couldn't it? It, it really could because, you know, the futures are still being traded, even even though the markets are down. There's still some futures out there. So we continue to kind of look at those. And uh, yeah, and there is some movement afoot because we've got some interesting stuff that's going on. First two days of earnings season, uh, we got most of the big banks in. And uh, I was taking a look at them while I was soloing for the last two days. We're getting kind of a split vote. They're generally beating expectations, but the expectations weren't all that high. So investors have been kind of kicking them in the shorts even when they beat expectations, don't they? Yeah, it does. I was kind of looking at the the banks, especially um, from yesterday. I mean, a lot of the banks had some decent earnings and and even uh, hit across the board, but they're still trading down yesterday. Uh, like Wells Fargo, I know they didn't hit everything, but, but they're still down four and a half. Even you had Goldman Sachs, who beat by 25% on their uh, bottom line, down by a tenth of a percent yesterday. So uh, I found that interesting that they they all kind of got beat up yesterday, except for man, there's a couple here and there. But uh, even Ally Bank, who who beat uh, pretty well, was down almost five percent yesterday. I suspect a little bit of it. Number one, a lot of the gross revenue numbers were down. They may have beat expectations for some like twenty and twenty five percent decreases in gross revenue. Uh, It just kind of revalues the stock. The other thing that I got to believe, especially on the big houses like Goldman Sachs, uh, Moody's comes out with an announcement yesterday afternoon that Russia is most likely in default on their overseas debt. 
we've mentioned it, but it really hasn't been a headline news level for us. They can't figure out where they can get any dollars, so a bunch of bonds that they had that were due and payable in dollars got paid in rubles, which doesn't conform to their debt. So Russia is in default, and there's some exposure on some of our big banks on some of those. Um, that, that's true. And so that, um, you know, it's hard to trade rubles right now for dollars. So uh, so that's uh, that's going to be an issue for them going forward. How are they going to pay their debts and, uh, and continue to uh, fight a war? That's first time in over 100 years, by the way, that Russia has defaulted on an overseas debt. The last time they did it, it was during the Bolshevik Revolution when they just nullified their international debt. It's going to cost Russia for decades to come if they, uh, if they hit formal default levels. Yeah, it will. You're right. And it's, uh, it, it won't be a good thing for Russia. It won't be a good thing worldwide, right? Because it's going to put pressure on the, the world economy, too. Oh, yeah. Well, let's assume that everything eventually gets ended up settling up and we start doing business again with Russia on a semi-normal basis. They are a major supplier of petroleum products. And while, no, we really would like to be more independent of their imports than we had been, Europe definitely needs to get more independent than they are. Uh, they're still going to be a major factor in international trade once things get semi-normal again after this Ukrainian situation is settled with or without Putin in office, all of a sudden, anything Russia wants to borrow is going to cost them multiple interest points higher than it used to. And that's going to end up probably messing with the price of oil for the foreseeable future, because they're going to have to make more money to be able to pay their debts. And it's going to jerk the price of oil up worldwide for a long-term basis, I'm going to assume. It really could. And you made a point that when they go to borrow, they may have a hard time borrowing, period. Um, once this is all said and done. Absolutely. I mean, they'll probably be able to borrow, but they're going to be borrowing at Visa and MasterCard rates instead of international credit rates, I'd imagine. Yeah, that, that's true. If you start defaulting, that's definitely going to be an issue. Well, do you, we do remember, and we, <laughs> it feels like it was 100 years ago, but it wasn't that far ago when Greece got into some trouble and defaulted on stuff. We were looking at Greece bonds ended up carrying interest rates that you know, they kind of look like my Visa card much more than they ever did at the international bond. You look at, you know, one, two, three percent rates on international bonds. Greece was paying like seven percent at the peak after they defaulted on their bonds before the European Union came and rescued them. Yeah, that, that's true. And it also then it, it also carried over to some of the market stock market too indexes. So um, it, it definitely uh, it definitely plays more than just in the interest rate front. Uh, talk about interest rates, though. I mean, our interest rates, uh, you know, bumped up pretty well uh, yesterday, up 2.8% on the 10-year Treasury. So uh, getting close to three, Dave. And the uh, 30 years are not at all short of, th of three by very darn much, given the fact that's the only thing anybody's trading today. We may very well see the interest rates go up considerably on the long-term bonds. Uh, we, we really could. And so, um, I mean, mortgage rates, well, I read an article the other day that in, uh, in, in our area, the average 30-year mortgage is up over 6%. Ooh. <laughs> I've said before, I feel like an absolute rocket science for scientist for getting mine under 2.99. It was a, kind of a pleasant uh, stroke of luck because I've never <laughs> really good on timing on my own money. Uh, the other gossip that goes around is obviously the thing about Elon Musk and Twitter. He made an offer of 54-odd dollars a share, 
which is a, a big premium, especially over what happened to Twitter stock after the uh, give and take started happening. Uh, some of the stockholders are saying the board's got to take it. It's way too good a deal. Uh, conventional wisdom is no board of directors ever takes the first offer, even if it is a good one. So this is going to be a dance that's going to go on for a little while. And there are some rumors that Musk does have a plan B, even though he said it was his first and last offer. Well, yeah, you always have a plan B. But the other thing is, is where, you know, I was reading an article, where's he going to come at 43 billion? Yes, he's worth more than that, but he don't have it sitting around in his um, bank account where he can stroke a check for it. So he'd have to liquidate a lot of his Tesla stock to uh, to get there, which is then going to escalate into some more taxable gains for him you know, down the road. So uh, not sure how he would make that happen, but uh, obviously, you know, at a premium, I, it is hard for the board to turn that down. Oh, yeah. And I would imagine Tesla shareholders aren't overly happy with this because, as you say, he's going to get the money if he's successful by selling Tesla stock, which is going to drop the Tesla stock value down by a pretty substantial margin. Yeah, that, that's right. They they won't like it at all. And so um, but hey, he's got it. He's just got to raise it. <laughs> Funding is achievable. The only question is how we're going to do it. About the only economic report that's out this morning, the Empire State Business Index. And that was a pleasant surprise. I don't have records of what it was last month, but I know it's up substantially to 24.6 this month. Do you happen to remember what it was last time? I do actually have that number. It's It was down 11.8% negative yet last month. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that, that's a big turnaround. Yeah, it is. The expectation was just to have a zero. So, uh, yeah, to go from a, a, a negative 11 to a positive 24 is, uh, is a pretty big jump. I wonder. That, uh, that, that's got to feel good for at least that sector of the economy. But I kind of wonder when you make that big a change without any major news making the difference, whether we're looking at a data point or survey error or what. Well, that, that's true. Because uh, that is a, a substantial jump even over the expectations. So um, you, you have to wonder if that's, you know, what kind of modifications will be coming next month. Uh, that's the other part that hits it down the line. You wonder what the, what, what the correction is. Data points that go way out of the line generally have a tendency to self-correct as time goes on. Any other tidbits that have caught your uh, eye in the market so far over the last couple of days while we've been observing telephone silence? No, I, I, re I really haven't um, seen anything that really, you know, gets us going and inflation continues to be, I think, a concern for the markets. Um, you know, yesterday we started in the positive and things looked really pretty good. And then oh, about what, two o'clock, I mean, it, it, it went down, but then bounced back up. And then at two o'clock, it just steadily started going down. Um, not sure what uh, what caused that other than maybe Elon Musk, you know, coming out with his his bid. But um you know, you just don't know what's um, what's causing these downward turns. I think Russia is still uh, impactful to our economy uh, as well as interest rates. And, and you add to that the fact that yesterday with the stock markets actually closed today, you got to assume that a lot of traders probably took some money off the table not being able to move anything over the weekend. And as hinky as things are internationally and domestically, I'm not sure I wouldn't want to park my money if I had billions at risk as well, park it someplace where I knew for a fact that it'd do nothing for three days until I could play with it again for real on Monday, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I would think. I mean, I'm looking at the close um, yesterday and, and the NASDAQ, which really has got my attention, down 2.14%. 
Um, and so I think after the market closed, it fell a little bit more in the futures. Um, so, cause the futures were down $323 before they started trading, stopped trading yesterday, about, oh, down to a little over two and a quarter percent yesterday on the futures. Twice not. Yeah, twas not pretty. Let's reset the table here and go on and see where things are at with what data we've got for the day. Yesterday, as uh, you mentioned, Philip, everything was off at the end of the day. Maybe it was nervousness over what was going on internationally, perhaps just like I said, taking money off the table because we don't trust what could happen today and through Sunday. But the Dow was off by 113 points. That was a third of a percent. Standard & Poor's off by 1.2 percent, down 54 and then, like you said, NASDAQ just absolutely got hit where it hurt, down 2.14%, down 292 points yesterday. The post-trading futures markets don't look a whole heck of a lot better than that, do they, Philip? Yeah, they, they really don't. We've got the Dow when it stopped trading uh, yesterday, down a quarter of a percent, still down $85. The S&P 500 down one point one, down 52. And then, like I said, the NASDAQ 100 down uh, two and a quarter, almost two and a third percent, like three hundred twenty-three dollars. So, and then we got the the uh, the VIX heading up by four percent as well. Uh, the last uh, trades we have on the commodities have silver basically even, gold down six tenths of a percent, and crude oil up two point almost two point two percent to one hundred six fifty-one a barrel. I didn't check whether or not the commodities exchanges were trading today or not. Judging by the futures pictures that we're getting, they, they aren't either, are they? No, it does not look like they are trading either. Don't believe so. Uh, overseas markets basically about the same. Asian Rim did finish trading at 6 a.m. this morning, and they were kind of a mixed bag. Hong Kong was up substantially, but the mainland Chinese and Japanese markets were both off. Europe is like we are. They're shut down for Good Friday, so it's quiet over there after their close, up slightly yesterday. Somebody wants to figure out how to make retirement workable. In today's world, that means minimizing risk. How do I find you to analyze my retirement portfolio, Philip? Hey, Dave, it's a great opportunity to sit down and walk through our core retirement design where we can help you design the retirement you always dreamed of. Give us a call at 863-382-0037 and then join us this weekend for the Statler Financial Radio Show, 6 a.m. and noon on Saturday, 10 a.m. Sunday morning, on Highlands News Talk 730 and 95.3 FM. Absolutely. That's there every week, whether or not the telephones are working or not, right? That's right. That's right. They can always they can always pick up the radio set. It just feels so doggone good to be able to call out again. Philip, you have a happy and a blessed Easter, and we'll catch you on Monday, all right? All right, you too. Thank you very much. It's 105.7 Light FM and Statler Financial Services, Philip Statler. Hey, folks, I, uh, I hope that you guys have had a great week. The markets obviously have not had such a great week, but, uh, but I hope your week's been well, and, and I hope that you have a great weekend this Easter weekend, spending time with friends and family, and remember the reason that we celebrate Easter. Hey, have a great day, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Bye now.